you can reconnect this live feed, live feed wise. Good morning. I'm fighting my asthma quite well, uh, so I have a bottle of water for that purpose, okay? <laughs> Just in case you were wondering. Okay. So tonight's our focus dinner. And there are also two football games today. Is that a conflict for anybody? Okay, I have the plan, okay? You come to the early service, you're here. You watch the first game, and then record, watch the first half of the second game, record the rest, and get over here, okay? If you don't, your team's gonna lose. <laughs> okay, we have these bowls up here. It's, it's Focus Sunday, so I'll, I'll be mentioning kind of a, the basics of what we're about this morning. Um, but. Certainly prayer is one of those things. So we have the prayer bowl and we have the trumpet bowl and there are prayer requests or, or, pray, or answer prayer things up here or in the back of your chair. Please fill them out. They will be prayed for. I'll mention uh, kind of our prayer, sort of what we're doing praying-wise, but please do that uh, anytime and um, they, they'll get prayed for. We're gonna do communion today too, so here we go. We're gonna be in Mark chapter 15. Would you stand? I'm gonna just read the first 15 verses. We're really actually not going to go very much into these verses. Uh, uh, we'll start in that, we'll, we'll get to that next week more, but I want to read this part of chapter 5. The whole chapter is the cross of Jesus. So immediately, verse, uh, chapter five, 15, verse 1, Mark. Immediately in the morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council and they bound Jesus, led him away, and delivered him to Pilate. Then Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? He answered and said to him, it is as you say. And the chief priests accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. Then Pilate asked him, saying, do you answer nothing? See how many things they testify against you. But Jesus still answered nothing, so that Pilate marveled. Now at the feast, he was accustomed to releasing one prisoner to them, whomever they requested. And there was one named Barabbas who was, who was chained with his fellow rebels. They had committed murder in the rebellion. Then the multitude, crying aloud, began to ask him to do just as he had always done for them. But Pilate answered them, saying, Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? For he knew that the chief priests had handed him over because of envy. But the chief priests, the chief priests stirred up the crowd so that he should rather release Barabbas to them. Pilate answered and said to them again, what then do you want me to do with him whom you call the king of the Jews? So they cried out, crucify him. Then Pilate said to them, why, what evil has he done? But they cried all the more, crucify him. So Pilate, wanting to gratify the crowd, released Barabbas to them, and he delivered Jesus after he had scourged him to be crucified. So Lord, we... <laughs> Ask your, really, our hearts to be open to the things that you want to minister to us in this whole area of the crucifixion of the Son of God. The things I prepared, Lord, the things we're, we're just thinking through. Holy Spirit, we invite you to teach us, direct us, bring to remembrance whatsoever you, you, you would uh, think important for us to hear and give us ears to hear. Pray your blessing, Lord, as we're talking focused 
Sunday and the years we've had as a church, pray your blessing over Calvary Chapel South like never before. We love you, Lord. We want to worship you in spirit and truth. We want to be those that keep the word in the right place, the top tier of everything we're doing. We want to be a praying people. We want to be those that are going out, like Rich and Carol and others, just going obediently to do the things that you've called us to do, individually and as a church. So I pray your blessing over this time in your word this morning. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. You can be seated. So I have for just about the whole of the 34 years that we've been going, 1990 is when we had our first Bible study in Tukwila, and then in September of 1990, our first Sunday service in Renton High School, which we were th- wound up being there for five years. So every year I give this CCS vision message. And as I was thinking about what the Lord would have me to share, I was reminded again of why I much prefer just going through the Bible, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, because I can drive myself crazy just trying to figure out what do I talk about. And in case you haven't discovered it yet, the Bible is massive, has a massive number of landing places that you can go and, and the Holy Spirit minister. So I thought the next verse by verse and chapter by chapter in our Sunday studies is Mark 15, 1 and following, the cross of Jesus. And it crossed my mind, and I believe the Holy Spirit would have us to really understand that there's nothing clearer for your vision than the cross of Jesus Christ. It clears up all vision. All the things we're thinking about is the cross of, it's the center point of our faith. So we're going to take the next couple of weeks to study Mark 15. And also, now this morning is our fourth Sunday, so it's a normal communion Sunday. But what I I want to do is go through these studies. I don't know if it'll be two more weeks or three. And then take communion in responding to the Lord as far as applying the cross to our lives. Talk about that in a moment. It's been a yearly tradition that we take the week following the focus dinner to fast and pray for our church. So I'm going to ask you to commit to that, whatever that means. Maybe you're not going to fast at all, but just commit yourself this week to praying for our church. And ask the Lord would leave. Maybe it's a, a meal you'll give. And just ask the Lord. In fact, I grew up at Calvary Costa Mesa my first five years after I came back from the Lord. And Pastor Chuck would ask us all the time, when you sit down to have a meal, pray, Lord, please bless Calvary Chapel. I would also ask you to just do that. Lord, bless what's going on here. Help us not to get in the way of what's going on here. Have your way among us. So if you would, che- if you would commit to that, we're not going to check up on you. But just to pray for our church. Could you say amen just so I hear that? Amen. Pray for Calvary Chapel South. And we, uh, the prayer has always been central to the church. My house, Jesus said, shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. In other words, wherever there's a church, there should be praying going on. So my house should be called a house of prayer. So my, it, that's central to any focus as far as Calvary Chapel South. It's been the, it's been the heart cry of us from the beginning that we give time regularly, weekly at the minimum to pray and ask the Lord to be working among us as he wants to. So on Saturday morning, from eight to nine, we have two prayer meetings. One is on Zoom. You can get the link for that and join that. One is in person here. We take an hour, eight to nine. We read a chapter of the Bible, 
and then we just pray together. Same online. So we've been doing this for as long as it's taken us now. We're in, what are we in? John chapter, or Acts chapter 5 next week. So we started in Genesis 1, reading a chapter, reading a chapter. We're in Acts chapter 5 now. Read the chapter, pray. If you would just consider either getting on the Zoom meeting or coming here from 8 to 9 and pray with us, we would love that. Thursday morning, there's also a prayer time with the seniors. It starts at 10, it gets over at noon. Am I correct on that, Kathy? It's right over here in, in the conference room. Um, we have 40 people, at the, about 40 people now, who receive via email a batch of four of the weekly prayer meetings that go into these bowls. So every uh, Saturday, they're sent out, and on Monday, they're sent out, and people are praying for your prayers currently. So when we get the prayer request, we pray immediately, and then it goes out to others to pray for you in the prayers you're offering. So that's another thing, another, and if you want to do that, just email me. We'll, we'll, we'll get you going on that. One of the things that's happened for me this past year is what I call my preaching prayer team. And so I, read, I started reading a book. It's 52 uh, Ways to Improve Your Preaching. I read the first chapter. It said, assemble a prayer, a prayer team. I did that and never read another chapter. <laughs> so I don't, know if it, I don't know if I need to. You could tell me on that one, okay? Uh, anyway, so I just put it out to our prayer meeting on, on Saturday morning. We started out with about eight. We have now have 21 people. So two, or three, two to four times a week, I send an email out. I talk about what's going on, not just for me, but what's going on Wednesday night, who's teaching, what the, what the text is. And then other prayers that I'm asking personally, just as far as preaching the word. And we believe that the spirit of God works through the word of God to change the people of God, to transform us. We put a high emphasis on going through the, wor the word, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. And so that's what Calvary does. So like, the like, that, like prayer, so the word. We're going we're gonna to stay at it. It is, always will be central to what we are as a church, as a family. Spirit of God working through the word of God to transform the people of God. We love the Bible. I, I didn't hear enough of those. We love the Bible. <laughs> we love to hear the Bible. We love to read the Bible. And every time we do, as I've said many times, Anytime you open up the Bible, read it, memorize it, whatever, God is speaking because the Word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Through the Word of God, He speaks to us. He transforms our thinking. He transforms our, what we're thinking of doing. He transforms it. It's an incredible thing that we really don't give the understanding that it needs, that we need it. Amen? So when I take in, man shall not live by, I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting excited here. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every what? So spiritually speaking, the Bible is our food. If you're not taking in the Bible, you are going to starve to death. You're going to be, it's going to be debilitating to your spiritual life. So I say, get in it, stay in it, and keep, keep doing it. Amen? So the Word of God, the Spirit of God, and the Word of God, change our lives. Now, in, the, in Mark 15, the cross of Jesus, it has me humming the word of God. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the prince of glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and pour contempt on all my pride. The cross of Jesus Christ, and it's the word of God. And you couple that with these hymns that are full of the word of God. And there's such a powerful work that happens in our hearts 
by the Holy Spirit and just humming along with these things about, that come from the Word of God. Tonight at the Focus Dinner, it's on my heart to share briefly on this thing called vision. It's vision as I'm understanding it 50 years of 2020 hindsight. <laughs> and I, it, it, I, so I want to talk about a little bit that, that uh, tonight, briefly. But you know what that has me singing? All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. You know, you look back and see what God does and what he's done. That doesn't mean there weren't hard times and all that, but overriding all of it is that God is faithful and God is good. He be thou my vision. He is our vision. We've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. So in Mark 15, the cross of Jesus, Jesus had a total of six trials, three religious and three civil. In Mark chapter 14, we went through the three religious trials that happened to Jesus. That's in Mark 14. Now, some say it's Thursday, some say it's Friday. It's up for debate. Even the days are still up for debate. So on that day, about from 1.30 to 3 a.m. in the morning, Jesus is standing before Annas. He also goes before Caiaphas and the Sanhedrin, Mark 14. Then the same morning, from 3 to 5 a.m., he's in prison, Jesus, in Caiaphas's palace. And then from 5 to 6 a.m. or thereabouts, Jesus in his, the third religious trials before the Sanhedrin for their final verdict. When we get to chapter 15 in your Bibles there, verse 1, immediately in the morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders, the religious, they just put Jesus on trial, scribes, and the whole council, the Sanhedrin. They bound Jesus, led him away, and delivered him to Pilate. So now in chapter 15, we're going to these three civil trials that Jesus went through before he was crucified. So from 6 to 7 a.m. in the morning or thereabouts, he's before Pilate, who then sends him Jesus to Herod. And from 7 to 7, these are all approximations, but I don't know how you look at this whole story, but this is in the morning, early in the morning. From 7 to 7.30 or so, he is before Herod, who then sends him back to Pilate. And then from 7.30, 8.30 or thereabouts, in the morning, he's before Pilate, who sentenced him to death. From 8.30 and noon-ish, he's scourged and crucified. From no, noon to three, there are three hours of darkness, and we'll look at that. And this was a supernatural darkness. It was not an eclipse of the moon. It was also a thing that the Bible tells us, three hours, and it was dark. And then at three o'clock, Jesus, is rele he releases his spirit and dies. Just that in and of itself is, is so mind-boggling, really, to think about the Son of God, the infinite Son of God, died. Wow. The cross of Jesus is one of the, mo the, the many paradoxes of the Christian faith. 
It is at once the greatest tragedy of the ages. And at the same time, it's the most glorious victory in heaven and on earth, the cross. The glorious victory of God's righteousness over man's sinfulness, of God's holiness over man's wickedness, of heaven over hell, of God over the devil, of life over death, of good over evil, of light over darkness, of truth over lie. It's also God, this is, we'll look at this a little bit this morning, it's also God's weakness victorious over man's strength. That God's foolishness victorious over man's wisdom. It's the cross of Jesus. It's the glorious victory of God's unfathomable love. His inexhaustible mercy. It's new every morning. His boundless grace and his unsearchable riches. The cross of Jesus. We should not come to these scenes with a feeling of defeat or sympathy for the sufferer. The glaring lack of any of the gory details say otherwise. In other words, we don't have the gory details. We simply have, and they crucified him. And they crucified him. So this absence of these gory details is to me manifest evidence of the glorious deliverance that God himself in his love sovereignly, willingly, and joyfully gifted to us. No merit of our own. In his love he gifted to us when he gave his only begotten son as the substitute sacrifice for our sins and not for ours only but also for the sins of the whole world. Sufficient is the blood of Jesus. So we should walk softly and reverently through these scenes with a heart of thanksgiving that God provided for us so great a salvation. We should walk worthy of the calling of which, to which we're called. It should change our lives, and it does. The cross. We should walk worthy of God who calls us into his own kingdom and glory. We are living in a whole new realm in relationship with God because of the cross. The cross is everything to the Christian faith. No cross, no Christ. No Christian, no Christianity. It's the cross. In six New Testament books, ten times the cross, one time his cross, is specifically noted. So I want to look at a couple of those, some up on the screen, some I'll just comment on, I'll read. But here is, here's the first time. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel not with, with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be of no effect. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So this message that goes out to the unsaved is foolishness. 
They have no idea the power that it has. Galatians, he says that the cross is an offense. Galatians says that the cross of Christ offends people. It brings persecution from people. And Paul said, God forbid, even with that in Galatians, God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. So the cross of Jesus Christ ushered us into this whole new realm of life as new creations in Christ through the cross. In Ephesians, he is our, he's made both one. He's reconciled us through the cross. In Philippians, it says there, Jesus being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. And then he says it's even the death, the most hideous form of, of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow of heaven, uh, every knee should bow of, in heaven and those on the earth and those under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It's the cross. Amen. Philippians tells us there are enemies of the cross who live for themselves. Colossians, which we're now studying on Wednesday night, it pleased the Father that in him, Jesus, all the fullness should dwell and by him to reconcile all things to himself by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven or th having made peace through the blood of his cross. He has given us peace with God. We'll look at a couple scriptures in Romans in a moment. You being dead in your trespasses, he made us alive and he, by nailing all of our sin, all the things against us to the cross. Hebrews you know it somewhat. Maybe you know it well. Therefore, we also, since you are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily besets us. And let us run the race, lay aside every weight, and let us run the race with endurance, the race that is set before us. And then he says this, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him here endured the cross, despising its shame, and is sat down at the right hand of God. Jesus faced the cross knowing what laid beyond the cross, and that is us. Our relationship, the joy that God has in being in right relationship with us. Consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraging your souls. You have not yet resisted against blood, striving. We should walk worthy because of the cross. So this morning, being our regular monthly communion, I want to go talk about communion a little bit. Paul wrote concerning communion, 1 Corinthians 11. I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take ye, this is my body, which is broken for you. Excuse me. Bro do this in remembrance of me. And then in verse 25, in the same manner, he also took the, the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And then he says, for as often as you eat, 
this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes, the cross. Communion. Note, this was not just some nice apostolic instruction. It was much more than just a gentle correction. It was a very direct rebuke as to how they were observing what should have been a very sacred time of being together in the presence of God. Communion. So he says, verse 27, therefore whoever eats this bread, communion, and drinks this cup, communion, of the Lord is in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let us, a man, examine himself and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. This is something that communion gives us the time to consider, examine ourselves. Now, communion in Corinth had become anything but the examining of themselves. In fact, the whole sacredness of it had been trampled over because they were full of themselves not examining themselves. There were divisions and factions and outright arrogance. There were brothers and sisters going hungry while others sat next to them stuffing their bellies. Others were getting drunk and were oblivious to how obnoxious and callous their behavior had actually become. Paul said, shall I praise you for this? I do not praise you. Now, I am not at all suggesting that I see these things among us. In fact, I'm thankful that I see and know much the opposite. I love our family of faith. I count it a privilege to be a part of it. I love the ways and means by which we have a unity we are endeavoring to keep. We have a love that continues to grow. We have an appetite for God's word and we have friendships that hold us up and keep us from falling apart and that make time to pray. Now I could go on and on because I love our family of faith. We love our family. Now you might be visiting this morning and think I'm boasting about our perfect church. Yeah, okay, you get it. If you are new... You haven't heard my biblical response to such an idea. (laughs) There are no perfect churches, amen? And if you ever find one, someone said, don't start going there because you'll ruin it. You can come here. You're welcome. (laughs) My point is this. Every Christian needs to remember that what Jesus accomplished on the cross is everything everything. Were it not for the cross of Jesus Christ, we would not be here today. We wouldn't be sitting in here. Were it not for the cross, we would be hopelessly lost in sin forever and ever. Every Christian shall proclaim the Lord's death. We are to proclaim it in communion. Jesus died for every one of us. That all together, we are the body of Christ. Every member is important to God. 
Every member has a place given by God within the body of Christ. That's what the cross tells us. We're to proclaim it as the foolishness of the gospel we preach, the cross. We're to proclaim it as the power of God unto salvation, the cross. Jesus died to save us, and there is no other name by which we must be saved. There is no other. I am the way, the truth, the life. Jesus said that, not me. I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. This exception, there is no exception. He is it. If you want to know God, if you want to be saved, there's only one way, one truth, one life, and his name is Jesus. And we proclaim that. Well, you're narrow-minded. Yeah, that narrow mind of us having the narrow, the narrow path that leads to life. There's a broad one if you want to walk on it, but it leads to death and destruction. We, we are to proclaim it as the truth that offends the cross. We are to proclaim it as the freedom that will be persecuted, this freedom we have in Christ. Jesus died knowing there would be many who would reject him. His own people rejected him. It did not stop him from doing what was needed to save our souls from sin, death, and hell. We're going to proclaim it as the devil defeater, the cross. The sin killer nailed. It's the death blow to the world in me. Crucified to it. Jesus died to do for me and to do for you what you could never do for yourself. We proclaim the new creation order begins by being born again, the new birth, and continues as new creations in God's work in transforming us to be more and more like Jesus Christ. It's leading to this new thing called the Jerusalem. This new kingdom. This new thing that God's going to give to us. We proclaim it as the gift of God by which we are saved, justified, sanctified, and glorified. The cross. Every Christian should proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. And the fact that he is coming again means that he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven. And all these things are true. If Jesus is not risen from the dead, we are all to most to be pitied. But now Jesus is risen from the dead. And not only risen from the dead, he arose and ascended into heaven. And they saw him go. And he said, as you saw me, see me go, I'm coming again the same way. Can you dig it? These things are verified through the resurrection. They're as certain as God himself. They're the anchor of the soul. They're sure and steadfast. They take us right in the very presence of God because of what Jesus accomplished. My being justified by faith. I'm righteous before God. He forgives me of all my sins and all along the way he cleanses me from all my sin. If I'll just come to God in confession of sin, he cleanses me through the blood of Jesus Christ that was offered for my sin and my sanctification and my justification and my glorification on the cross. 
The cross is everything. No cross, no Christ, no Christ, no Christian, no Christian, no Christianity. It's everything. And I want to, before we go to communion, just a couple other verses. In fact, the worship team can, well, no, you better wait a minute. I might be a while. <laughs> I'm looking at these verses and go, man, I, yeah, okay, here we go. The book of Romans is the book of the cross. All of them are, but the cross. Not specifically actually written, but you read what Jesus did in the book of Romans for us. Romans is called the fifth gospel. So in Romans chapter 3, verse 21, but now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed being witnessed by the law and prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe what? Believe what Jesus accomplished on the cross was sufficient. Through faith, there's no difference. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth to be a propitiation that's a big, big word, by his blood. Simply means substitute sacrifice. It's that love, the love of God, satisfying the wrath of God and releasing the mercy of God in salvation for us. Propitiation. Romans 5, therefore having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through whom also access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured on our hearts. Uh, I'm, getting, I'm, I'm going at it here. It's so packed. But we've been justified by faith. We had nothing to do with accomplishing God's forgiveness of our sins, the holy God making way by which our sins can be justly forgiven because Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin left the crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. He hung on the cross and God laid on him my iniquity and your iniquity. And it pleased the Father to bruise him. It pleased the Father to put him to death that we might be justified by God, a holy God, forgiven of all of our sins, set free from sin, death, and hell, and have a relationship with God based on our faith and what Jesus accomplished, and now what God through him is going to accomplish in my life. I'm going, whew! Hi there. <laughs> Romans 5 again, when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the guy that's got it all together, got his life together. He died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still what? Sinners. Christ died on the cross for us. I don't know what goes through your heart and mind as you're hearing these verses and thinking these things, but it is so absolutely mind-boggling the cross. Not something man would have ever, ever even considered for a minute split second. And yet in God's eternalness, he had it planned out. And in the garden when man fell, he said, the seed of the woman is going to bruise the serpent's head, promising a Messiah. 
for you and for me, here we are, how many years down the road from the fall of man, and God's taking care of it for us. So I don't know what goes on in your mind as you're thinking these things, but as you take the, as the emblems are being passed out and we're singing, I would just like to take a f- the, the final few minutes for each one of us, just before the Lord, take hold of the glorious things that we have because Jesus died for me. Personalize it. He died for me. He died for you. And all these promises are yes and amen in him for you. Maybe there's things that have been going on in your life in the area of sinful areas. If the cross can't take care of it, nothing can. But I declare to you, I proclaim to you the cross by which your sins can be forgiven, by which the Holy Spirit will then transform your life. Maybe you're here this morning, you haven't accepted Christ as your Savior. That's the first thing. To come to the cross of Jesus and see there he paid the price for your sin and you need salvation. There's no other name than Jesus. Call upon, whatever that might be. Let's, if you can take us through some songs and let's just receive these and spend the time and then I'll come up and we'll take them together as the body of Christ. Let's do that.